Welcome to the Heart Matters Podcast with your host, Ibn Leon. Join us as we explore the intricacies of spirituality and self-improvement. Gain a fresh perspective on enhancing your spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being through the fusion of spirituality and self-improvement. Enjoy Ibn's engaging conversations with guests from diverse backgrounds. They share unique perspectives on personal growth and holistic health. From spiritual leaders to relationship experts, entrepreneurs to creatives, each episode delivers knowledge and inspiration. Tune in to the Heart Matters podcast for profound conversations and practical advice empowering you to live your best life. Chapter 5 Inspiring Stories Hello everybody, this is Lewis Morris, relationship and spiritual coach and also the host of The Heart Matters, helping people improve their relationships and improve their spiritual lives. I have Bonita Condi on today. She is a life coach and the founder of Create Radical Love, a co-creative life coaching approach for people who want to radically love their whole lives. She's also a former ballerina and a personal trainer, which we will get to shortly. Let me introduce Bonita to you and just let her talk about herself and her business for a little while and then we'll chat. Awesome. Thanks, Lewis. It's so You're good welcome. to be here. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating combination of things you just highlighted. Um, yeah, I started out my life as a ballet dancer. I uh, started dancing when I was three, and I danced professionally until I was 22. So that was my first, like, passion focus. I would almost label it as an addiction in certain ways. Um, in terms of what I found out about myself later in life. Um, in that regard, I then transitioned out of that industry into fitness. And I was a personal trainer for a period of time and managed gyms in New York City. I lived in New York City for 25 years. Um, and I'm now based in Richmond, Virginia. And then parlayed that experience uh, into in management and things into working in the advertising industry and ended up working for 17 years in advertising agencies in project management, talent management, recruiting, and working really closely with the creative people in the advertising industry. And after 17 years of doing that, and after 10 years of being sober, so I found out more about my relationship to addiction mm. <laughs> um, through alcohol and drugs, and, and now have been sober for 13 years. But at the 10-year mark, I had gone through this huge spiritual awakening through my sober path. I knew so much more clearly the truth of myself and my relationship to community, to God, to like the universe, like everything around us and, and my true self and who I was in relationship to um, my professional life was still out of alignment. Mm. I was chasing that world and the external input I would get or the external um, feedback I would get to fill that sense of self and to fill that hole. So I was still making it my higher power right? <laughs> and it was annoying and it was awful and it was frustrating and I was sick of it. I, um, I just kind of hit a bottom with my professional life and I was working at an advertising agency at the time that was very highly regarded. They had been, you know, given like an agency of the year, um, you know, kind of award from an industry publication and, hiring amazing people and it was a pinnacle role for me in the industry and I was making you know good money doing that and at that point I had a seven-year-old son and I'm married and, and I'm with my husband and it was crazy like the thought to leave that like you make it on paper it looks a certain way um, but I was not fulfilled and there was right. like something in my heart that was calling me to something else I just didn't know what it was and so I hired coaches at that time and I had learned through sobriety about asking for help. And prior to that, I knew nothing about asking for help. I thought I had to do it all myself. 
I was super isolated in that way. I really believed that like I had to solve every problem and, you know, being controlling and a perfectionist and super hard on myself. Like the idea of self-love, if somebody had talked to me about that back then, I think I would have understood it conceptually, but I almost wouldn't have wanted to open the door to that or give that to myself because I thought you achieved or were more successful by being hard on yourself. Mm. And that obviously comes from a lot of conditioning from the dance world, a very perfectionist environment. And I think there's a lot more love coming into that industry nowadays. But back then it was really like, you're never good enough. (laughs) Just keep going, like striving for that perfection. And so that really played out as a theme throughout my life. And in this moment of leaving my my full-time job at an advertising agency was really an expression of self-love. Like jump, don't have a plan, hire coaches so that you have some help during this time to guide the path and get you inspired. And I didn't know anything about my intuition. I wasn't listening to myself in my professional life. I did in my personal life. That was beautiful things that happened. Lots of healing, a lot of heart connection, a lot of connection through the divine, through the universe. Like, beautiful relationships, a lot of healing, but yeah, not in my professional space. So I got help. And those folks, I hired a husband and wife team who had, were living a really expansive life, like uh, breaking free from systems and structures that hold us back, breaking free from limiting beliefs and lack beliefs and just trying things. And I saw them doing that. And I was like, I want what you guys have. So I'm going to try that. And they, you know, were hugely inspirational and a few months in, two months in maybe to working with them and then leaving my job and having some time with my son and my husband. And um, for me, meditation is huge, like actually sitting and listening and being with self, no matter what comes up, there's so much belief around meditation, I think, and doing it right and thinking you have to like not have any thoughts and like, no, there's always thoughts. Right. (laughs) The brain's always doing what it's meant to do, That's but right. it's what we do with that, right? When we sit and can we just observe and can we create some space? And so I started to do that at a much um, like deeper level, for lack of a better description, like longer periods of time and just feeling really connected because my mind wasn't so busy with all the work stuff. Like I gave myself the space, right? So that's an act of self-love, like a radical act of self-love to give myself the stuff and spend time with my son. At one point, he said, we were walking home from school one day, I was holding his hand, and he said, Mom, I'm so glad you quit that job. (laughs) And I was like, all right. (laughs) That's a very direct reflection back that this is the right thing, you know, like, mouth of babe. So Mm -hmm. um, I came out of a deep meditation a couple months into this and create radical love as an actual approach, like as a thing, as a business, as a... I would be a coach. Like what? I had told my coaches I wasn't creative. I was better at facilitating for others. I would only work for other people. I couldn't, I didn't have vision. The word entrepreneur scared me and like triggered me. I was like, oh no, no. (laughs) Like I'm very linear. I would only kind of like play these roles where I would support others. And they were like, okay, sure. Okay. (laughs) Like let's keep doing these other things. Now mind you, I was a ballet dancer. Like I come from this, like we're all creative by the way. But I come from like a creative art form my entire life, but had completely forgotten about that. Right. Had put the blinders on, had gotten into this patterned lack belief approach about who I was, like in this little box. And all of that started to just fall away. And um, I had really felt strongly in the last few years in the advertising industry that love was the piece that felt missing to me. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of competition. There was a lot of focus on lack of belief. Like they're not being enough. And like our business needs to get this next business so that we can make more money to do the thing. And then we've got to just keep doing that over and over again. And I personally believe it all very much comes from our predatory capitalist system. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the true intention of what capitalism is, but what it has become. And it trickled down through to anybody working within it, unless you were really able to create your own dynamic that pushes against kind of some of the more like ingrained systems and structures within that right now. So I just felt that like faucet of fear pouring through to the creative people I was working with. And that word love just kept coming up to me. Like, where's the love? Where's the love? So then I was like, I need a phrase that's a little bit stronger and just like, Hey, love is missing here. So I was like, 
we need radical love. Right. And I did some searches for people using that phrase for various things. And it, you know, from the Christian tradition, it come, it's the phrase meaning unconditional love. Right. And I was like that, if I can give myself more of that, then I can potentially have it overflow from my life to somebody else. And I can be of service from that place. And if they can do the same for themselves, then they can give it to somebody else. And what if I can do it with businesses? And what if that changes the way a business is formed or created or restructured? And so it all came from that place, okay. like divine love for ourselves and others. And so I now work with individuals, with businesses, predominantly in the advertising, marketing, and creative space, but individuals across a broad spectrum of background and professional expression and um, all over the world. And I work with people to create radically love lives and radically love businesses. Okay. All right. So there's a lot to unpack there. Let's, let's <laughs> start uh, the husband and wife team. It wasn't David and Dana Hogstrom, was it? No, I worked with a couple called Teresa Scoba and Stephen Shelley. Okay. Okay. Cause they, they do that as well. Okay. Now let's go back to the, um, addiction because when we talked initially yep. we had our initial phone call i told you that you know i'm you know i had a problem with that in the past as well and yeah. that we would talk a little bit about that because i mentioned to you that i lost a friend of mine uh you know less than a month and a half ago from overdose you know and i i wanted to speak to you about that so you could talk to the audience about it you know, I already did it, you know, but when it comes from different people, their perspective is, uh, uh, it makes it more clear how serious this issue is. So could you just talk about, you know, how it started and how you realized you needed to get some help with that? Sure. Of course, it's my honor and pleasure to talk about it because I so believe in erasing the stigma around it. It is not a moral issue. Right. And um, some of us, wherever people are on the spectrum of belief about what it is or it isn't, I happen to believe it's an allergy, a medical condition. Like my body in combination with certain substances cre creates craving for me. Right. And I can't stop. And that doesn't necessarily happen for everybody, though there are certain substances that are harder to, right. for everybody right. <laughs> to deal with. But um, I started drinking when I was 15. I drank episodically like not very often I was so focused on dance that like that's why I said that was my first addiction for sure like it kept me focused it, it was my like top priority so other I didn't want other things to get in the way um I moved to New York City at 17 I danced there until 22 so that was still like keeping things in check and when I quit dancing I felt like I had had a career already I was now, you know, I had a job in the fitness industry. I was paying my own way in New York City. So I was like on my second profession. I was adult. I could do whatever I wanted. And I really felt I needed that freedom, I think, from my first addiction. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. oh, I can breathe. I can go live life. I can explore. And so I found a great group of friends, a wonderfully diverse, like amazing group of friends. And a lot of what we did centered around the clubs and around music and around going out at night and expressing ourselves. And I certainly like got a lot of my like dance catharsis out through going to clubs. And so I started partying and I started drinking a lot more. I was drinking probably every, you know, both Saturday and Sunday, maybe another night or two during the week. I was um, using drugs. Um, cocaine was my drug of choice. And I, I mean, the first time I did coke, I knew I would need help stopping. So to answer your question about that piece, it, I had a blackout from it and I felt so incredibly good. I couldn't imagine being able to stop on my own. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, so you're saying that the first time you did it, that was your that was your take? I knew. I said to myself, I remember so clearly saying, Oof, that's really good. You're gonna need help to stop this. Are you sick? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how long did this go on? Ten years. All right, so when you, do you remember what it was that made you realize you had hit the bottom and that you had to get out of there? Yeah. Okay. So my husband and I had met right as I was quitting dance and starting to work in the fitness industry. So we were together this whole time. 
and we had then gone through living together and getting engaged and getting married. And for, I'd say, two years leading up to getting married and then our first year of marriage, it was just a slow progression into my bottom. And so there were multiple nights out where I'd be like, this isn't right. <laughs> like, why am, I, why am I up at eight and nine in the morning? Why am I missing work again? Why do I feel so terrible? The, the hangovers, the depression, the anxiety, the, I could, I think I knew intuitively, I don't know if I had words for it, but like my chemical makeup in my brain was a mess. Like I could just, the, the mood swings were crazy. The anxiety, I would lay in my bed, you know, hung over and not be able to get out for two days and like be afraid to go outside. And so that I knew that, like, I don't want to live my life this way. This is awful, but I was still not quite ready to stop. I don't think. And then we got married and it was our first year of marriage. And then I was like, now I want to stop or do less. Like I wanted to stop the drugs and I wanted to drink less. That was, I think my ultimate hope. And I couldn't like, I'd go to the bar after work with work people. And I kept compartmentalized parts of my life and my parents didn't know. And, um, my coworkers, maybe only a couple kind of had an idea, but then I had other friends that I like partied more heavily with. So it was like living lies and trying to keep track of everything. And I was crossing boundaries and barriers that I had like set for myself that I never would, you know, mm -hmm. so it was like chipping away at my sense of self. And um, I wanted to have a child. I always wanted to be a mom. Always. Like, there's just, I don't know, since like early as I can remember, three, four, five, always wanted to be a mom. And mm -hmm. that was now more available to me, like in terms of having a long-term partner and a committed relationship and being at a place professionally where that felt, you know, things felt pretty solid because I was keeping a lot of that separate from this other behavior. And um I knew I could not be a parent behaving the way I was behaving. I, I was just like, I couldn't imagine it. Right. And um, my parents didn't drink that much. So I just, I, I'm grateful that I had that model of parenting to, as contrast to what was happening in my life to be like, that doesn't make sense. Like I couldn't do that. Parent, like my parents parented me to some regard the way I'm living my life. Yeah. And so I went out one night, like, just we were just about to hit our one-year wedding anniversary and I had been trying to stop all year like my husband would have to come get me from the bar I'd like have two glasses of wine and I'd be like come get me because I need you to come get me to leave or I won't be able to leave on my own like that you know like holding yeah. him hostage in this whole situation like incredibly codependent and then like I'd maybe not go out for a few weeks and like be white knuckling it and like drinking at home and like looking at the clock on a Saturday morning being like, when can I start? Like I wasn't a daily drinker, but it was just creeping into like all parts of my life in terms of the obsession and the thinking about it all the time and being super anxious and depressed. So I went out one night, same as, same as usual, like out to dinner, a couple bottles of wine and met up with a friend who was more of like the going out friend. And we went out and then I got in a fight with my husband, which became like my MO. I didn't realize I was purposely doing this, but subconsciously I was to get rid of, to have him leave. So then I could party the rest of the night the way I wanted to. And I did and it was awful. And I kept popping out of being drunk and high. I couldn't stay drunk and high. And I kept popping out and watching myself. It was like an out of body experience. The only way I can explain it is grace forgot like I was like why now okay obviously things were leading up in terms of my sense of self-knowing like my higher self knowing I didn't want to do this anymore but that night for whatever reason it all became very clear and I was miserable and I um, was at my friend's house at like eight in the morning and needing to call into work again and I think that would have been like twice that week and I was like oof this is getting I'm calling out twice a week for me that was like I knew I was, people were going to start asking questions and that was like drawing a line for me and a guy in this apartment said, I don't know him. I still don't know who it is to this day. I'd never met him before. He just happened to be there with a group of people who were hanging out. And he said, what's going on? What's going on? He kept asking me. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it. And um, finally, I said, okay, fine. I'll talk about it. And we went, he pulled me kind of around the corner. And we went and he said, well, I've relapsed tonight. And told me a little bit about his story. And he said, can you get help? I don't know. Like, it's like God, like, I don't know, he's an angel. And I said, I can, I can go to work and they can take me to rehab. And he 
said, okay, don't tell anybody in the living room what you're about to go do because they'll talk you out of it. I would have never thought of that in a million years either. Like the dancer drama queen in me would have wanted to go like tell everybody what I was about to do and like get feedback and whatever. And he was like, don't tell, tell anybody. They'll talk you out of it. And so I didn't. I just said I was leaving and um, called my the company I was working for at the time, the advertising agency, and made my way in a taxi and started praying for the first time in years. I said, please just get me there and help me get help. Mm-hmm. And I went into the head of HR at that company and my boss, and they were waiting for me, and they took me to rehab that day. Wow. So how long ago was that? 13 years ago. All right, so you you come out of that i want to go back a little bit first before we uh before we move forward i want to go back to the ballerina Hmm. why did you why did you want to do that (laughs) i saw the nutcracker my mom took me to see a local production of the nutcracker i was born and raised in minneapolis minnesota um and we went to see a local production of the Nutcracker when I was three and my mom said, I didn't move. I don't know. It was an hour and a half, two hour production. She said, you didn't move the whole time. You just sat at the edge of your seat with your eyes wide open and afterwards asked to take dance classes. You're like, I want to do that. Mm. And I remember it. Like I remember some of the, the visuals that I have at that age of seeing that production. And so I, she enrolled me in some local dance classes and it started from there. And it just felt really right to me. Like it just was intuitively a way I naturally was able to express myself. It was my blueprint or a gift or it just felt really right to me Um, and super fun and a wonderful way to express myself. And then um, a teacher immigrated from Russia in uh, the 80s to our neighborhood, like to our town and opened a small ballet school. And she was from the Kiev State Opera um in now what's now the ukraine and she like was a fully fledged like russian ballerina and was teaching this beautiful russian style that really also fit for me and just felt felt natural on my body and so from the time i was eight that was the moment when i said i want to do this professionally okay all right now let's go back to the guy in the in the in the, in the, in the apartment building mm-hmm. okay why did you think Okay, did he know the people that were in the apartment? I think so. I think he was friends with my friend whose apartment it was, but like I just didn't, I hadn't known them previously. Okay, so why did he, why did he tell you not to tell, how did he know that they would try to talk you out of it? I'm assuming he'd probably been in a, in a similar situation. Like he just had that insight that like, if you go tell people who are all in the same situation that you're in right now, like, being up all night and partying and you go tell them you're about to go get help from doing this, that's going to reflect back to them that they're doing it <laughs> and they're going to tell you it's fine. Like oh. that would be a huge reflection into that room of like, this, this is not working for someone in this room. And maybe it's not a great thing for everybody in this room to be up at eight or nine o'clock in the morning after being up all night. Okay. So, so, so he was, he was, he was letting you know that, if you do that, right, then some other people in the room, right, out of their guilt, might try to talk you out of it. Yeah, whatever it would feel to them of a reflection back, right? Like, huh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this either. Like, I don't know. Like, whatever it would might bring up in them to be like, no, 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 you're fine, stay. Like, who knows if it would even be that conscious for them. But think about when you're doing anything with a group of people where one person says, oh, no, no, I don't do that or I'm not doing that today. It creates for everybody a sense of like, well, why not? Like, what's wrong with us? But we're all doing it, it's fine. It's that group dynamic, right? It happens to me all the time with drinking. Like if I go somewhere and a group of people are drinking and I don't, and I say, no, I don't drink alcohol. And I'm very upfront about it because then it was just like, then there are no issues of people feeling like, oh, why not? You should, here, we'll get you a drink. I'm like, oh no, no, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I don't drink alcohol. And they're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Great. Then there's nothing we have to like dance around, but it, because it creates a reflection back of like, Oh, should I be, should I be doing this or not? Right. Okay. So, uh, you get out of the, You get out of that house, you know, cause mm-hmm. that's that, you know, that drug thing is a bad house. You know, yeah. I've been in it, you know, I was in it since I was 12. 
Yeah. You know, and yeah. it is it is an ugly house. So take me to the advertising business, the marketing <laughs> business. Give, yeah. give me give me a, a glimpse into that world because I'm totally fascinated by it. I really yeah. am. There's it's certain, a fascinating world. <laughs> there are certain there's certain ads that I see on television that are so clever, and I'm like, how did they come up with that? And yeah. one of them, my favorite is the uh Liberty Mutual commercial with the guy standing in front of the Statue of Liberty. And have, have you seen this I don't commercial? know if I've seen that one. I, Brilliant. I don't watch it. It is TV. so great. It is the best, it is the best commercial on television. I'll have to and look it up. It is excellent, right? So I'm like, how did they even come up with this? So give me like an idea of a strategy session in the marketing business. Hmm. Wow. It's a really interesting world of a fascinating combination of people. So you have highly creative people, like very blue sky thinkers, very like open in terms of how they can generate ideas, obviously from all of the various different experiences and inputs they've had in their life, but then be able to take those and really like interesting or funny or whatever is appropriate for that particular brand and that brief, and then make it specifically work for whatever that, you know, the solution is that's needed. So it's a combination of people who are, you know, highly creative, a lot of blue sky thinkers, like whether they're strategists or creatives, and then those who are a bit more business oriented, who focus on the relationship with the client, um, understanding the budgets, understanding that like ultimate goals of the client and the client's business. And then people who are very engaged in making sure the work gets through the system. So whether it's project managers and then producers to go make whatever the idea is in terms of the output. So whether it's a TV commercial, whether it's online and digital marketing in whatever form, there's so many different forms of that, whether it's, you know, like radio still even happens today, though less and less and the print media um, and anything else, events and uh Right now, it's anything and everything in terms of touch points with consumers. So right, right now, it's very much all online because we're not meeting in person as much. Right. Um, but that's really like you sit in a room with a group of people usually, hear what the clients need, and then various people go off and do their, their part. Or if it's a really collaborative team, people might work all together really, really closely throughout the whole process. It varies depending on the type of advertising agency it is or marketing and communications firm. Um, there's, it's very niche. It's a very specialized world. There's like a type of company for everything, basically. Okay. All right. Now, tell me, take me inside of this conversation that you had with your husband when you told him you were quitting your job. Mm. Oh, that's a great question. So my husband is an amazing human being. He is open-hearted. He's got just a gigantic, big open heart. And he is very, very true to himself and always has been. So where I've had to cultivate and like find my sense of self and intuition and self-esteem, like after getting sober, like that was a real part of that process is like really finding who I was and being true to who I was. He is just that. He has been that always <laughs> and certainly he's evolved you know in his journey with that but he's very open to trying things and he's like that in his own life like oh I'm gonna try working in this place or I'm gonna try working in this way or oh, I'm gonna have my own business so he had his own business but he was doing more of the child care giving to our son because I was working really long full-time hours in a really intense environment advertising really like demands a lot of your time and energy and so when he saw that, like, even though I was doing all of that for all the right reasons, it wasn't fulfilling and it was making me feel unhappy. And he was obviously in our home with me not being fulfilled and like not feeling particularly happy or joyful. He was like, yeah, that needs, I want that to change for you. I want that to change for us. So let's, sure, let's give it a shot. We had three months of savings which I know for some people is a ton and for other people that would sound terrifying. So, right. We all have a different relationship to money and what financial stability and safety looks like. And I really now come to understand that the, the game of money and it is such a game and it is such a construct and it's such a, like we can give our power away to it 
before we can become empowered in ourselves. Okay, what does that wait a minute? What does that mean? Explain, explain. Because <laughs> a whole show in and yeah, of be, itself. Yeah, because I yeah, just give me because I need to understand that as well. Okay. What does that mean? Awesome. So, if we believe that the construct of money is a real thing that like controls us. Like if we have it or if we don't have it determines how we feel about ourselves. If we give it that power, then we are believing that that construct is really real in our lives and like has a direct connection to our heart, to our sense of self, to our sense of self-worth, right? Okay. So if we give it all that power, then depending on how much we have or don't have, will radically shift how we feel about ourselves. Either I suck and I'm a failure and I don't have enough and why don't I keep having enough and oh my God, I keep going around and around and around and around. Or, oh, okay, I've got some great. Ah, I can't lose it. I got to keep it. I got to make more. Oh my God, there's never enough. I mean, I don't know how many times I would get a new job or a little raise or whatever it was and be like, okay, that's great. And maybe it would feel good for about five minutes. Yeah. You've set a sense of relief for maybe five to 10 minutes. I've really come, if I'm really honest, I've come to... That's about the time. Right. And then the mind kicks in again because we've got this reptilian brain that's all about safety and security that has been like hijacked in terms of the system of money. And then you put those two together and we come to believe that money and the sense of having it or not having it is directly related to our sense of survival and death. Mm-hmm. And so two, three minutes later, the like endorphins go out of the system or I don't know, whatever that chemical is that you feel good about when you've just realized you maybe have a little bit more money. And then you, the brain kicks in again and goes, Oh my God, can you keep it? What if you lose it? What happens <laughs> with the job? I don't know what will happen next. What if that person doesn't do the thing they said they were going to do with this business that we're going to do. And then what if we lose the money? And uh, I don't know. Do we have anything in savings? No, we don't. Okay. Are we going to keep living on the street? Like you literally go to like, Oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this and will we be okay? Okay, all right, look, right? look, I'm laughing, I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at you because you you literally sound like Gary B. You know Gary B. Yes, I know Gary. I mean, I mean the guy the guy is he's obviously brilliant. He's obviously a brilliant guy. But yes. like when you were talking there, you sound exactly like Gary V. You were like talking fast the way he does and everything. I'm has Gary V taken over her body? That's so funny. I've never had that comparison before. I've actually met Gary at South by South. Did you? One year. Yeah. Wow. He, he's something, isn't he? Yeah. We recruited people for his agency, VaynerMedia, when I was in recruiting in the advertising industry. Wow. Wow. That's excellent. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, she has Gary V like taken over this woman's body? She's talking fast and everything. Like... Well, I take that as a huge compliment in terms of his message around empowerment yeah. and not being beholden to the limiting thoughts and lack belief and this stuff that gets in the way of taking aligned action. Exactly. Exactly. So that piece for sure. And that's now what I've come to find with money. Um, there's a great book called busting loose from the money game right. um, by Robert Scheinfeld, which I recommends to anyone to read. I mean, for people who are not necessarily super connected to like a spiritual path and like an understanding of how illusory everything is from a sense of consciousness, it's a little bit of a like, whoa, first part, read. (laughs) But the second part is a really pragmatic um, outline of a process to use when you're feeling contracted around money, right? Oh, I've got this bill that's coming in, or you get a letter from the IRS or whatever it is that feels like heavy or it's taking your power, right? You're giving your power to this situation or this particular uh, entity or um, company. Well, what if you sat in that moment and you said, wait a minute, I actually wanted whatever this service was, or I lived my whole life this year and I've made this money. And so of course I'm going to pay my taxes because I'm going to pay back into the collective. And like, that's my part. Okay, great. So actually I asked for all of this. I created all of this. I am not a victim to any of it. Like I've maybe been conditioned to believe in the collective that paying bills is like 
heavy or like this hard thing or I shouldn't do it. But usually when we are paying a bill, it's because like we want to live somewhere, we need to live somewhere and we'd like to have electricity and we'd like to be able to, you know, just the certain basic things that we need. But we, we are at, we are wanting those. And so we're creating them. And so then being able to flip it to like, wait, I've created this. So I'm actually powerful in this situation. And I'm going to take a deep breath, take my power back and be appreciative of it. This is an opportunity for me to engage in whatever it is. I'm, I'm going to pay my phone bill. So I have a phone so I can talk to people and create and be of service. So if we can flip these things into this much more higher vibratory place for lack of a better term, or like where we're feeling better about whatever it is, then we're not in this beholden relationship to systems and structures from a place of lack belief. Like, Oh, I don't have enough. This stuff is hard. I I can't pay it to like, well, wait, wait a minute. I've actually chosen to, so I'm going to find a way. And then maybe because I'm feeling good and appreciative of it, more can flow in. And I find it creates a much more flowing relationship and dynamic with the idea of money rather than being being fearful of it as a construct. All right. Okay. I went to your website, you know, Mm -hmm. beautiful, by the way, love that picture. It is fantastic. Right. So I seen that you have a, a, a package, uh, create radical love on retainer. Mm -hmm. How does this work? So a small percentage of my clients are people who I generally have maybe started working with, not always, but pretty often I've started working with in my 12 session program. And my 12 session program is more of the transformation based program where people come to me at that fork in the road moment, usually, or in a moment of feeling really unclear in their lives about a particular aspect of their lives, oftentimes something to do with who they are professionally in the world that seems to create the most catalyst for people because it is directly related to making money. (laughs) So when that's unclear, then people feel really unsafe, which is what we've already been talking about. And so that creates usually a lot of um, motivation for people to reach out um, and ask for help. And I think why people come to me is that they see that I'm looking at their whole life. How are they taking care of themselves? Then if, and getting really into your intuitive self, like what feels best to you, what's most exciting to you, what lights you up most and like not what anybody else says or thinks. (laughs) or maybe what the conditioned self has been telling you to do this whole time. Like anything we're doing in life, we're doing from a place of should. Oh, I should do this because so-and-so said I should, or I should do this because I believe about myself. I can't do the other thing. We're already operating from a place of a lot of limitation and from a lot of people's beliefs that are maybe fear-based, let's say. So people see that I'm offering something that's not about taking action from a fear-based place, but from an intuitive place, an excited place. And then we shift into what's happening in their professional life after doing some work about really getting back in touch with excitement, with like personal passion, with a calling. Like what's your actual calling for being here on this planet and being of service? Talking about being of service rather than consuming in our lives. If we're constantly consuming to get more to try to feel safe, we're never going to feel safe because then there's never enough. But if we can feel safe in ourselves first, the rest of the circumstantial stuff can relax and we can create from a more open place. And then the like final section of sessions when I'm doing a 12 session program with people is really putting that into action, creating whatever it is. If it's their own company, if it's interviewing for jobs in a different way, if it's going back to school and like looking at what that looks like and researching schools and doing the application process. So it can take any twist and turn. It's always unique for every single client. Um, but it's about like following the breadcrumb trail of their own excitement rather than anybody else telling them what to do. It's not about following somebody else's LinkedIn profile and saying, well, like they did that. So I should do this. Like, why? That's what they did. I don't even know if that's working for them. So, right. <laughs> right? Like, like the mind really wants to hold on to these things that seem like they're concrete in terms of plans or like a way forward. And oftentimes it's because the mind just needs that to feel more linear and safe, but it's not necessarily what like your truth is saying to you. Mm -hmm. So I do that 12 session program with people. And then some of my clients from that have asked to continue on. 
And so I'll continue on in more of a retained package where I'm available to them for like three sessions a month because we don't necessarily always meet every week. Um, so sometimes it's two or three sessions depending on if they're a CEO or a founder of a company and their schedule is pretty intense and packed. It might not be, again, like an every week thing at that point. And so I've had a handful of clients where they have continued on with me in that regard as like support to continue to have a touch point to remember, wait, what is my truth? What is my calling? Why am I doing this? Because we can get really um, interesting information from the universe along the way or like distracting things like, oh, that look, I'm going to chase that shiny object over there. And it's like, was it really in alignment with what you were saying you truly wanted? Because sometimes saying no to things feels really hard and scary, especially if there's money attached to it. Mm. But I find if it's not in alignment with our truth, it can create a massive distraction, like sometimes for years, like going down a fraught path. It doesn't feel so great, but it's creating income, but it's not fulfilling in any way. Right. So I hold space for people in terms of that, keeping people in an, in alignment. Okay. All right, I would, yeah, I would understand that because I said, "Why did you?" She's she's got this thing up here like a lawyer, you know. And I mentioned it, I mentioned it to my coach, you know. So I mentioned it to my coach, you know, and she said, "Yeah, that you know that's interesting." So I asked her. I said, "I said, do you think I should have something like that?" Because you know, I'm a, mm. I'm a, I'm a relationship and spiritual yeah. coach. So I said, "You think I should have something like that?" She said, "Well, you could have something like that." She said, "But you know, you can't. You I don't want you using that name like retainer." <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she said, I don't want you using that name. I said, okay, well, we could call it something else. So yeah. when you like started- Like extended coaching or something. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it's it can be named so many other things. Yeah, that very much comes from my being in the advertising world, for sure. Is that right? Okay, mm -hmm. when you started doing this, yeah. okay, and you just, you quit the job and you said, okay, well, I'm going to start this company, right? How afraid were you? Were you afraid and give me, give me like on, 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 yeah, on one to 10, I mean, how scared were you to do this? In the week that I considered resigning from my job, like when I had really clear information that what, and it was going relatively well, but there were definitely things that that company wanted me to focus on that were, were not my highest excitement. And when I had that information and I had, I felt like about a week's time to really consider whether I wanted to stay or not and do what they were asking me to do, which was totally, you know, within their right to do. I, I was scared that week for sure. Cause I could feel in my heart, I had to leave. And so there were a lot of tears. I would say on a scale of one to 10, it was like nine, 10 in terms of like, I feel really pulled. I, ke I kept using this gesture. Um, if people center, like pulling my heart to the right, there's something like pulling me physically. And so I was listening to that, but that was scaring the heck out of me because I didn't know what was coming on the other side. And right. And that the mind just totally freaks out when it doesn't know, like when it can't plan, it can't like plant itself on something and say, oh, okay, I'm going to do that next. So it can calm down. It was really this wide open space. So yeah, I would say nine or 10 when I was like contemplating it. And then once I reached out to my coaches, knew I had their support, I started to feel a bit more excited. Mm -hmm. So then I was more at like a seven, eight in terms of fear, but probably an eight, nine in terms of excitement. So then there was this interesting period of time where it was like fear and excitement were coming together. And I could see oftentimes fear, the other side of it is just excitement. And then I could tap more and more into that because I felt like I had support and I talked to my husband and he was like, yep, let's try it. We'll be fine. And if I needed a full-time job, I knew I was employable and I could go down that road again and do an actual job search. So I could give my mind a plan B. And I think it's really helpful in any kind of transformative moment in life to take the aligned action that feels super exciting and go for it all in so that like energetically you're giving really clear messages out to the universe. Right. Like, have yeah sometimes I do parallel path work with clients but their heart is truly in one path but we're doing the other path just to keep the mind quiet like oh there's this other thing over here and I could do that if I needed to and it's like we don't rip the whole band-aid off and you just feel like you're completely lost it's like no there's that and that's the plan b but here's where you're going to put your time and energy and be really excited and so once I got into that like both fearful and excited place I could tap more into the excitement energy and that's really what started to 
like cultivate in the weeks following. Okay, so uh, I want you to give, you know, give some closing thoughts to the people, but I have two videos that I'm, I'm going to send to you when I send you your uh, MP3 copy of this podcast, right? There's a video, okay. there's a video called uh, from the uh, Tyler Merritt Project. I don't know mm. if you heard, heard about this. I'm gonna send you that video and I'm gonna send you a video uh, from a guy called Dennis Ross, right? And he, he did it the other day, he's a ghostwriter, right? And okay. it's called uh, a message to well-meaning white people. Thank you. Right, I put it on Facebook uh, Tuesday, right? I was gonna come on and talk about the video. I just didn't, I didn't feel up to it, you know, so I just let the video speak for itself. But I'm gonna awesome. send you both of them when okay. I send you your copy of this. So just, you know, just give some closing thoughts to the people about anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be on any specific topic. And uh, I think, I think to ground this conversation in this time, right? Because the space that I do work in and the space that feels really true to me and that I see creating a lot of benefit for a lot of other people too, is really focused on this idea of knowing true self like knowing the sense of self like knowing the true power in yourself whether that's connected to whatever one might believe about the universe or god or a higher power or divine creator or whatever that's really like my truth and it's what i believe and i believe it is available to everyone right right but i am a white woman i have come 100 percent from a position of privilege in that and so I'm very aware of that in the work that I do. I'm really grateful that I work with a really diverse group of people. Right. It's been wonderful to move to Richmond and be in the capital of the Confederacy during this time. My son is 10 and his um, history unit this year was on Virginia studies. And so it's real clear the systematic oppression of people from the very founding, you know, from the first colonization, like from the first settlers here. Right. But there's just this incredible, like combination of really interesting things brewing in this space in terms of what I'm getting to around justice through self-actualization. Right. Now I'm not an expert and I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and I'm learning, um, but I'm working with some really interesting people in this space black people, a very diverse group of people of various colors and seeing people wake up to their truth, feeling empowered and able to create from that space while like recognizing and honoring the range of experiences that people have had and especially those that have been oppressed and systematically held down in this country for sure but there's a transcendence that's available. And so um, I'm working with a woman named Salamawit Hailu on a project here in Richmond, um, a new company that she's been creating called The Human Connection. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to call that out. Like there's incredible creation happening in this space to create justice from a place of truth and love. And um, so I just, you know, want to claim that in terms of not for myself, but that that's happening in the world and that creates hope for me. And um, I am continuing to work on being a better ally. I certainly know I have blind spots. I can see them so more, so much more clearly in the last couple of weeks for sure in terms of my role in the advertising industry um, and that industry and <laughs> of the various ways in which it is, uh, not been a safe place, not been a, um, a fertile place for people of color. Right. And so I'm here to be a support to others. If it's about conversations with, with other white people to talk about this and learn together and also to work with my black clients in a really like awesome collaborative space on finding truth of self knowing oneself is infinite while honoring the true experiences that have been had 
but then transcending them from a place of truth and empowerment and love. So that's that radical love. Like that's that unconditional love that um, I just hold on to that is my truth and that I still want for others. Okay. All right. So tell the people how they can get in touch with you, Bania. Sure. Um, so my website is createradicallove.com and there's multiple places on there where you can uh, hit the contact button and send me your information. And I am on Facebook as Benita Condi and on Instagram, uh, Benita underscore Condi. So those are the main ways that you can find me and message me. Okay. Thanks, Benita. I appreciate you coming Thank on. You. It, it was really great. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my honor. Thank you for having me on this week. Um, I think it's just a really intense time uh, with a lot of opportunity for us to come together more. So it's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Have a good afternoon. See you. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. That was Bonita Condi. She is the founder and owner of Create Radical Love a co-created life approaching a life approach for people who want to radically love their whole lives. I appreciate her for coming on. Anyone who wants to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me on Facebook and Instagram. Right now, my coach and I, we're switching the website. We're moving to a new house, as she would put it, a new building, as she would put it. Um, you can still go to my the website that is up right now at lewismarscoaching.com and schedule a free consultation call if you want to speak with me for the women who want to revitalize their relationship and who know that they deserve all that they should have in a relationship, effective communication, passion, affection, great sex then please go to my website and schedule a free consultation call. And if we're a good fit, I would love to work with you. And anyone who wants to establish or to strengthen their relationship with the creator that heavens the earth, you can go to my website and also schedule a free consultation call. Also, I encourage you guys to share the podcast with people and subscribe to the podcast it would be greatly appreciated. I thank you guys for your support and I'll speak to you guys again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Heart Matters Podcast for relationship, spiritual coaching and resources. Go to the Heart Matters brand link tree, which is linktr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. That's link tr.ee slash L-O-U-I-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. And we will see you again soon.